What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstorypregnancy 
and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at birthstorypodcast. Okay, it's review time. I just want to say thank you to everyone who pushes pause and rates a review for the Birth Story Podcast. And so this week, I am going to read a few more. The first one comes from Mandy3130. I love birth stories. I wish I would have heard this podcast before having my second son. There were so many tips and tricks that would have been helpful to know prior to his birth. I'm a mom of three. With two, I birthed within 19 months apart from each other. Things in the hospital changed that fast from the first birth. I love this podcast. Keep bringing me more. Thank you so much, Mandy. The second one or the next one comes from Caro. Great to have this gem here. It's so great to have a podcast with an educated and experienced host. This is a beautiful topic with such importance. I also love the host's passion. I work with newborns and every day I'm amazed by the mothers that have gone through their unique experiences. This podcast is just wonderful. If you would like to hear your review read on the Birth Story podcast, then I look forward to reading it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I have no idea at what point in time you are listening to this podcast, but I want to welcome you to episode 24. This is a two-part series with episode 24, getting ready to start now, and then continuing on with episode 25. This episode is all about meeting Jasmine and learning about her first two birth stories, one in the hospital and one in the birth center. But then I beg you to stick around because in episode 25, she talks about her journey of becoming a surrogate and then how it took a turn and then being diagnosed with leukemia. At the very end of episode 25, I dig in deep on Be The Match. And if you're listening, the steps that you might take if you are interested in helping to save someone's life with leukemia. Thanks for listening. I hope you learn a ton from these birth stories, and I hope that we continue to spread awareness around being the match. Welcome, Jasmine, to the Birth Story Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. And before we get started, I wanted to just let everyone know a little bit about how we connected. I think that I saw a picture of you on Instagram. And your Instagram name has your name and the name Doula in it mm-hmm. and was a picture of you fighting leukemia and yeah. everything about the story kind of really spoke to me and I just started following you and then I think we just communicated a few times from there. So why don't you tell everybody about who you are and a little bit about your journey you're currently on 
And then we're going to dig into your three amazing birth stories, um, but focusing specifically on your surrogacy. So tell us about you. Yeah, well, I am a mom. Uh, I've got two little girls and I've been married for, we just celebrated our eight year wedding anniversary. And uh, I'm also a doula, a birth and a postpartum doula and a prenatal yoga teacher. So birth and that whole world has a lot to do with, you know, who I am and what I do. Um, But I've been out of it for a little while because I got diagnosed with leukemia in 2018. And uh, I'm currently in remission, which is wonderful, but still healing from the treatment and the uh, bone marrow transplant that I had to have. And yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind year in 2018. (laughs) And that's just kind of where I am today. Well, I have a few questions for you because I had some doulas on, but we weren't talking about their birth stories. So I want to know, like, how how did you become a doula? So many people don't (laughs) even know what we are. So how did how first of all, how do you know what a doula is and how did you become one? Yeah. So my first birth, um, like so many people who kind of discovered doulas, my first birth wasn't uh, the easiest. Um, I went into early labor. I wasn't very educated. I was pretty young when I had my first daughter. And, um, you know, I had never even heard of a doula. And so when I got pregnant the second time, I was much more educated. I had done a lot of reading, a lot of talking to people and hired a doula for that birth. And so that experience of having her there, and it was actually such a quick birth that she was only there for like a few minutes, like right at the end. And just having her energy there in the room changed everything for me. And I fell in love with it. I knew I wanted to be a doula someday. And yeah, that's just kind of how I discovered it. Just trying to create a better experience for myself that second time around. And, um, You know, I actually became a prenatal yoga teacher before I became a doula. That's a very good step one. (laughs) Yeah, it was really nice. And, you know, just it kind of happened really organically because I would be teaching my classes and students would want me to attend their births. And I'd have to say, well, I'm just a yoga teacher. You know, I can't, (laughs) like I wouldn't know (laughs) what to do for you at your birth. Um, But I knew I would do it someday. And then I actually attended a training while I was pregnant. Uh, with the surrogate baby. Yay. And I was going to yeah. say, when you say, oh, I'm just a prenatal yoga instructor. And I'm like, that can put their bodies into the coolest positions and stretches imaginable yeah. to help the babies descend so much faster. I, I definitely know that now. <laughs> yes. All part of our craft and trade. We're going to kind of just go through your first two births and then we're going to really focus on your third birth in the surrogacy. But you mentioned that your first birth, like you didn't know what a doula was. It wasn't that easy. And you went into preterm labor. So how early? She was 32 weeks when she was born, but I actually went into labor two weeks before that. So I was only 30 weeks pregnant when I started to go into labor and, um, I rem- it was on Father's Day, and I actually had no idea I was even in labor. I thought my stomach was growling every five minutes. <laughs> I discovered I have a really high pain tolerance at that birth. <laughs> yeah, I just, 
you know, had no idea what was going on, but I started to notice that I was spotting a little bit and thought I'd go get checked out. And right away they said, oh, you're contracting every three minutes, you're dilated. We need to stop this labor. And, um, you know, they gave me a bunch of medication and I was on bed rest in the hospital for two weeks, uh, just trying to keep her in for as long as possible. And uh, finally, you know, two weeks later, she wasn't having it. She was coming out. <laughs> so did the like no medicine was going to stop it? Did they have you inclined in the bed or were you just able to get up and take a shower or move around? No, I was totally stuck in bed. It was kind of miserable. I had to pee in a bedpan and they my water was actually broken at some point. A couple of days after I was hospitalized, my water broke. So I had like this sort of diaper towel thing on and I had to stay in bed leaking amniotic fluid my sweet husband would like bring the bedpan over it was like the best way to just get super super vulnerable and intimate with a partner (laughs) Um, so your water was broken for a long time before your daughter was born it was and so they kept me on a ton of fluids because they said that you know, the water would just sort of replenish as long as I was hydrated. So I had to pee all the time (laughs) in the bedpan. So uncomfortable. But I kind of got used to it after a while. I just figured, well, we're here. My doctor said, let's try to get you as close to full term as possible. And so we just hung out and we were kind of hoping to be hanging out for a little bit longer. But um, after two weeks, she went into distress one night and they gave me a little bit of Pitocin. Uh, No other meds you know, I didn't have an epidural or anything. They just gave me a little bit of Pitocin and then labor took off and I had her just about 26 minutes later. Wow. So when you first went in at 30 weeks and you said you were a little dilated, do you know how dilated you were? I honestly don't remember. It was such a weird time. And all of that language was so out of my, you know, scope of just what I knew and understood. I was so young. I was only 20 years old when I got pregnant and I had just turned 21 uh, right, like in the beginning of that month, I turned 21 on the third, and then she was born on the 26th. So I was, I was so young and so naive, and uh, they were just, you know, telling me all these terms: you're dilated, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and I'm just kind of like, okay. Were <laughs> you, um, were you calm? Like, did you know that the baby was going to be okay? I was, I was, and I don't know if that's because I was kind of naive, but I just sort of trusted the whole situation. I think that I just knew deep down that my baby was okay. And I just kind of felt like, well, if this is her time, it's her time. I don't think I fully understood, you know, what a preterm baby, like what that really means. And so I was a little excited and I kind of was trusting also the, the doctors and their, you know, the stuff that they had going on. I was trusting the medication and, uh, and I just sort of thought maybe I'd be in the hospital for a couple months. (laughs) You know, some people are, but yeah. And that's what my doctor thinks. I thought, okay, let's, you know, let's just hang out here. But, you know, it was amazing because she was born so early and they're preparing me for this teeny tiny little Nikki baby. And she actually was pretty healthy for 32 weeks. She was five pounds. So she was kind of huge in the NICU. That is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to this day, I wonder if my due date was off a little bit because she was clearly early, but I don't know if she was that early because she was so healthy. She didn't need any help breathing. She was wonderful. She did spend two weeks in the NICU just monitoring and, you know, she had to develop her ability to breastfeed and all of those things. But yeah, she was, she was pretty healthy, pretty big, 
NICU baby. Yeah. Well, let's elaborate on that a little bit because a lot of people don't realize that um, the swallowing reflex is yeah. one of the main reasons why a preterm baby um, can't go home and needs to be on a feeding tube is because they don't yeah. develop that swallow reflex until somewhere around 35 you know, weeks along. So she was feeding on her own by 34 weeks. She was, yeah, with a bottle. And I really, really wanted to breastfeed her. And so I was also using a nipple shield to try to mimic the, the bottle nipple. Mm-hmm. And eventually we did exclusively breastfeed without bottles, but I pumped and, and fed her through a bottle in the, in the hospital. Yeah, but she did. She had to develop that suck swallow reflex before she could go home. And then temperature regulation yeah. is another um, mm-hmm. another one. Were there any other kind of check marks they were looking for with her before they would send her home that you can remember besides the swallow reflex and the temperature regulation? No, I remember that was it because they also had a requirement that the babies had to be at least five pounds before they could be you know, released from the NICU. And I was like, well, she's already five pounds. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, so we already hit one. And then that was basically it. And then just kind of monitoring her and, and waiting till she could eat properly on her own because she did have the feeding tube for a little while. And then did she like when you brought her home, were there any complications? You know, what? she was really healthy, but she was delayed. It was really interesting because each doctor's visit, she would be delayed just a couple months. It was almost like that two months that she missed out on developing in the womb. She would be just like that much delayed. And the doctor said that would probably be true until she was about two years old. And I did find that to be true. So that was sort of interesting. Let's let's recap that first birth from an opportunity to kind of teach our listeners a few things. So if you're 30 weeks along and Mm -hmm. you are having anything that's coming consistently, any kind of feeling like you experienced Mm -hmm. it as your like stomach growling. But if something's happening every three minutes or every five minutes, that would be a reason to call your doctor. And then also, in your case, you were spotting. Were there any Mm -hmm. other symptoms that you would want to make sure that you passed along to anyone listening to say, hey, you may want to give your provider a call if you are um, experiencing any of these symptoms? As far as I can remember... I don't remember anything else happening except just that intuitive kind of feeling that I thought something's a little bit off because it wasn't a lot of spotting. I wouldn't even say I was bleeding necessarily. I just kind of thought something's strange. Okay. <laughs> something something feels different. And that's when we decided to go in. That mommy intuition, man, you just can't mess with it. Yeah, it was. it's like usually pretty spot on. It is so spot on. The other thing I want people to take away from your first story is that your water was slowly leaking. And yeah. the week I cannot press on enough that as long as you continue to stay hydrated um, and continue to intake fluids, that your baby will continue to make amniotic fluid, mostly through peeing. (laughs) Yeah. And um, you'll continue to leak fluid. And I want to say this because a lot of times when I'm in labor with moms or or they experience something called PROM, the premature rupture of the membranes, and that's kind of where your water, you know, breaks or ruptures and you're not really 
in active labor, any kind of labor mm-hmm. yet. And sometimes moms kind of freeze and are like, oh, I got to go to the doctor, you know, yeah. right, like right now. And I'm like, there is a big difference between like your water rupturing and like, you know, liters of fluid coming out, nothing. And then a slow tear where ta- just tablespoons of, you know, amniotic fluid are coming out when your baby's mm-hmm. continuing to make it that rate. But one of the things they probably did with you was, you know, monitor your temperature very closely to make sure mm-hmm. you weren't getting a fever or a condition called um, chorioamnionitis. And that's an infection of the placenta um, mm-hmm. when the amniotic fluid is ruptured. So I'm assuming they took your temperature at least probably annoyingly oh, yeah. every yeah. Every yeah. few hours, if not, you know, every hour after your water ruptured. I was pretty monitored just because I was already in the hospital. Yes. <laughs> but they were very casual about it. It really didn't bother them at all that they had been ruptured. It was a pretty slow leak. It was mostly just uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yes. So, it, yeah. So yeah. I feel like as you were talking, there was just some really neat pearls right there that I really felt like we could teach with. You mentioned to me when we were scheduling this interview that your second birth for you was very healing. And we heard from you a minute ago that your, you know, doula was only there for a few minutes, but energized it. (laughs) One of the things that I think is really beautiful about our profession, though, is the relationship that we build with our moms and our partners prior to the labor beginning. You were probably texting or talking or, you know, sharing with your doula for a while before you ever went into labor. So then when she walks in the room, I've experienced this many times when your doula arrives, everyone kind of calms down the relationships there. So it sounds like that happened with you. Yeah, absolutely. Did they ever find a cause for the reason you went into preterm labor with your first daughter? Oh, you know, a little bit. I don't think they could conclusively say this is exactly why, but we sort of determined that I was under a lot of stress Mm -hmm. and I was extremely dehydrated. When I went into the emergency room, you know, telling them that I was having these weird twinges and I was bleeding, they, the first thing they said to me was, you are very, very dehydrated. And they wondered if that was what started the contracting and the, and eventually sort of kicked off labor. I had just moved from the Bay Area to Southern California and was under a lot of stress and was living with my parents while we looked for a home. And we thought we had plenty of time because I was only, you know, six months pregnant. So I think it was just sort of a combination and a perfect storm. There was no other real reason that they could find, no infections, nothing that really, you know, it doesn't run in my family. Okay, so there was no reason for you to go into preterm labor. And let's talk about hydration for just a quick minute, because one of the things I coach my clients on is to take their body weight in pounds, cut it in half, and then drink that many ounces of fluid per day. So if there is a 200 pound mama, then you would want to drink at least 100 ounces of fluids per day to stay hydrated. Yeah. And what we definitely was not not doing doing that. that. Yeah. (laughs) And as we gain weight, too, I think we forget to up our fluids. So like at uh, two months along versus six or seven months along, you need more fluid, um, especially as you and the baby have gotten bigger. This is a good reminder. Everyone breathe in calm. Calmness and peace. 
Breathe out while drinking stress. water. <laughs> while drinking water. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. how does that pregnancy go? Are you once again calm or are you terrified you're going to go into labor at 30 weeks again? Like, what does that pregnancy look like for you? So, I'm actually extremely calm. Um, and it was very, very planned. My first pregnancy was, you know, sort of a surprise and I was a young mama and I decided that I wanted my kids to be kind of close together in age. And I kind of got over controlling and (laughs) planned it down to the tiniest details. Like I started tracking my ovulation and wanted to be pregnant so that I could give birth toward the winter time versus the summer because I didn't want to be nine months pregnant in the summertime. So I really like just dove in head first and started doing tons of research, bought all the books and was just very, uh, yeah, very calm, very prepared and really excited because I was able to give birth to my first in the hospital without any pain medication, but I knew it was sort of an intense sort of scenario and I really wanted to have a different experience. So I was really, really excited about creating that different experience and all the possibilities that started opening up for me. And so I started seeking out things like a birth center and a doula and, you know, took really good care of myself nutritionally, drank lots and lots of water. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think it ever really crossed my mind that I would have another preterm labor because I did know that there was no real reason for it. And I just found it all to be really exciting. Okay, so this is where, as the doula, I interject. So, like, how does this partnership happen between you and a doula? (laughs) Because somewhere (laughs) between your first delivery and your second delivery, like, either from, you know, social media or Googling or talking to other mom, like, like, how did you discover doulas? Yeah, she reached out to me. So she was actually in training, but she was a friend of a friend. She was in my circle and she was training to become a doula. And so she reached out and I had actually, I'd read about doulas. I wanted one, but I couldn't really afford one. So it wasn't on the table for me at one point, but she reached out and said, Hey, I'm in training. I need a certain amount of births and I'd love to attend your birth for free, which is, you know, the perfect scenario for someone who's tight on money. (laughs) And I just was like, yeah, yeah, great. You know, I'm, I'm in if you're in. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's just sit with that for a minute, right? Because Mm -hmm. I've been a doula for 15 years. I certainly charge to be a doula at this point. (laughs) But yes, for anyone listening who is interested in a doula, and maybe your finances aren't, you know, allowing you to get what you deserve. I believe every woman deserves a doula by their side topic for another day on insurance companies and Medicaid. But for today, (laughs) I want everyone to be encouraged that in your city, there are doulas that are being trained and it is required to have training births. Many of these women have already become moms and um, just like yourself, Jasmine, have already, they're already moms. They've already been through labor and delivery and something has called them into the doula field and they're training and they need some training births. Depending on your market, they are a sliding scale anywhere from free 
to inexpensive, maybe a few hundred dollars, up to possibly a thousand dollars, depending on where you live. But it's up to each individual doula. Um, maybe one charges a little bit because they have to pay for childcare or something, and then another one can do it completely for free because all of you know the things in their life are settled and conducive to allowing that. So let's just kind of put that out there for everyone. Thank you for reminding me that yeah. doulas and training are such a just unbelievable resource for our community. So that anyone coming into the birth process and and looking for support, even if money is an issue, just still reach out to the community of doulas and usually we'll be able to find you someone um, that we can match you with for your birth. So Yeah, and it was really wonderful that she reached out to me because I don't think I would have asked otherwise because I felt like I couldn't afford it at all. So oh my goodness, the universe knew that this is just what Jasmine needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was your decision to birth at a birth center or was that her prompting? Actually, I wanted a home birth, but okay. my husband was really nervous about that idea after that first experience. He was a lot more nervous about all the things, you know, early labor and the whole thing than I was. Um, so I was able to compromise with him on a birth center. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so we decided and there was one birth center in town that took our insurance. And so that settled it. Did you do a tour or meet the midwives? We did. We did a tour. We met the midwives, but I was pretty much sold because I just really didn't want to be in the hospital again. Okay. Um, I felt a lot of anxiety around just the, the smell and the atmosphere of a hospital. And so I thought, you know what? I'm good with whatever. Yes. <laughs> with whatever it looks like. And it was wonderful. It was a real small space, but it was real sweet. Yes. And if you have a healthy, low risk pregnancy, and in your case where you had a previous trauma in a hospital, you know, I think that's absolutely a beautiful choice that you made for your birth. And so yeah. tell us about the day you went into labor. How did you, what were your first signs and symptoms and how did you know you were in labor? Mm, it was really wonderful, actually. I remember my husband was working late and I went to lean over the kitchen counter when right after I put my daughter to sleep and uh, my water broke and I got really excited because I'd been there before and I was like oh yeah just felt like I peed myself perfect like this is awesome thought I'd have tons and tons of time so when my husband got home from work late he was chatting and talking and telling me about this really rough day he'd had and probably like two hours later I finally told him hey you know if several hours ago, my water broke and he just completely flipped out. He's like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> He's like, we have to call the midwife. We have to call the doula. We have to. <laughs> you are a really good secret keeper. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I'm really glad that we actually like, I, this is intuitive conversations here because I didn't know what your story was. So I'm really glad we just went through with our listeners. What prom? Cause you experienced prom premature yeah. rupture of the membrane. So your water broke, you weren't in labor, hung out for a couple hours before you even told your husband. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I, I knew that it doesn't necessarily mean labor is, you know, imminent. So I, I just kind of, yeah, you know, no big deal. And I was like, well, we'll see maybe in the next few days. Um, but I went to bed that night and already like pretty early I started, I couldn't sleep through the contractions, but my first experience was I didn't really feel the contractions until after Pitocin with that first birth. So these felt really mild and really manageable. And I was very much in the zone and just kind of loving it. I got in the shower and was swaying and um, honestly, just really enjoying the process of feeling my body open up 
and being able to do it at home and privately. And then I started to get a little bit more vocal, which I was still sort of enjoying. And my husband started to get really nervous and really worried because <laughs> he was just really just thinking this baby's about to be born at home. And so he called my sister to come watch our daughter and he finally drove me to the birth center. But then I realized as we were in the car on the way to the birth center, I'm still thinking of plenty of time because the sensation is not extreme at this point. But then I had a moment where I thought, oh no, this is kind of hard. I don't want to do this anymore. And then I thought, uh oh, bingo. I think I just went to transition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, it's so every single, I don't, I haven't heard a story yet of a natural childbirth where the mom doesn't have that moment. Like the, I call it like the, oh shit moment. Like yes. when you go, oh no, 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 I, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this. Oh. And if you have enough insight to go, oh man, I'm in transition, AKA yeah. cervix is stretching from seven to 10 centimeters as the baby descends, yeah. you know? And I had done enough reading and enough research at this point to now actually know this. And so I was a little bit like, oh, maybe you were right. This baby's, you know, coming pretty quickly. And we got to the birth center before the midwife got there. And it was supposed to be a water birth. She was going to set up a pool for us, but the pool wasn't already set up. And I kind of was sad because I realized, oh, I'm not going to get my water birth because <laughs> the pool is going to take some time. And um, I could, I started to feel like her head coming down. And I started to put my feet up on the dash thinking I was going to catch my baby. But I'm still very calm and very relaxed. And my husband is absolutely having a cow. Like, he's like, no, get your feet off the dash. You're going into the birth center. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, it's okay, honey. I got this. I watched YouTube videos. <laughs> I know what to do. Because I was just, I was really in it. I was really in my head. And everything to me was, like, so lovely. But when he tells the story, it's, like, a horror story to him. He's like, and then <laughs> it was so scary. But the midwife finally did pull up and she wanted to check me and I told her, no need, I, the baby's coming. And she said, no, let me check you. And she said, oh, yeah, there's the head. Go ahead and lay down. And, you know, my doula comes running through the door right after I laid down and it was just about three pushes and she was born. So we weren't even there for long at all. I don't know how long, but it was not long. Um, did you have, did you experience the like ejection reflex where you just had like that overwhelming urge? I always think it's yes. like vomiting in the opposite direction. That's the only yes. way I know how to describe it to people is like vomiting is like uncontrollable, like for like up. <laughs> and I'm like Absolutely. delivering a baby is uncontrollable down. <laughs> so did yeah, you experience and my midwife was trying to slow me down. She was trying to say like well don't push and I was like I don't feel like I'm pushing <laughs> like the baby's just coming and and she was you know slowing me down and slowing me down so that I wouldn't tear and I definitely felt it with both both of those births that first and second one for sure yeah there was just nothing to be done baby was coming coming <laughs> and it is good if you can slow down a little bit and just kind of breathe the baby out just kind of slowly stretch that perineum yeah then she was wonderful possible. And coaching me through that yeah I'm like it's possible to like reduce or avoid tearing in your case your baby came very fast did that work did or did you still have um some tearing uh, I had a little bit of, what do they call them, skid marks? Um, yep. Trying to remember if that's how she worded it. But yeah, I actually didn't tear. And it, The skid marks, was, for anyone listening, is just a little thin tear on, like, they would call it, like, the left and the right side. So you have one, like, one on each labia. 
Yeah, and not needing any stitches, stitches. or anything. So it was a really wonderful healing from that one. So your doula's there. Yeah. Like she makes it in for the grand finale, which is amazing. And then did she provide stay in and provide postpartum support for you? I kind of remembering back to that at the time I was really well versed in birth, but I didn't do as much reading and education on postpartum, which looking back now, I really wish I had because I kind of jumped right back into my life and my toddler. And I kind of told her, no, it's fine. You know, I don't really need anything. I was on a high. I felt so good after that birth. I was so happy and proud of myself. And then it wasn't until probably a month later, it all caught up to me, you know, where suddenly I'm exhausted. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like why, why did I do, you know, why didn't I take advantage of the downtime when I had it? And that's um, when we say help. I need a postpartum doula now yeah, for just a few, yeah. hour, few hours a day, at least. And so, so since that birth, you went on to become a trained certified doula and postpartum doula, mm-hmm. um, yeah. as well as a prenatal yoga instructor. What a beautiful circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is going to lead us, Jasmine, into birth number three for you. Yeah. And I just, oh, I have so many questions about surrogacy and being a surrogate. Yeah. All right, everybody. I hope that you'll just roll right into episode 25 to hear the rest of Jasmine's birth stories, where she walks us through exactly what it was like to be a surrogate and then to be diagnosed with leukemia just a few months postpartum. listening to birth story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 